I told our players, you need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here yeah, looking in the mirror. Do I look good? I got my extra bands on. I got my other shoes on. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. No meows, only dogs here on the Sporting Hubris. Welcome to the show, everybody. My name's Craig Camara. Changing it up this week, coming to you from Orlando, Florida. We're going to be talking all baseball tonight. Tim Linscomb, Giants-Dodgers, and we'll give you the predictions on how the rest of the year will turn out for each team. With that said, as always, joining me from Los Angeles, California, the man who agreed to do this podcast for one reason and one reason only, to sleep with Rachel Nichols. Grant, how you doing tonight? <laughs> yes, so if I have already slept with her, does that mean no more podcasts? I don't know. You tell me, Grant. <laughs> well, I tell you, you're coming to me from Orlando tonight, correct? That's correct. And, the, uh, and it's Tuesday. Tuesday right now, June 24th? June 26th. June 26th. 24th is when the uh, podcast was supposed to take place. Right. Okay. Okay, perfect then. So why didn't... We were supposed to have this podcast on Sunday, but we weren't able to. You had some travel troubles over in Orlando. Yeah, somehow, Grant, when I landed in Orlando, I found out a way to turn a 30-minute drive to the hotel into a three-and-a-half-hour horrible, life-changing experience. It, and is that also – so how did a 30-minute drive turn into a horrible, life-changing experience? Well, uh, basically – oh, man, I don't want to get into this, but – I have to relive it, I guess. Basically, when I got off the plane, um, I haven't took a trip in a while where I needed to check a bag. So, I mean, the last four trips I've taken, it's either to Vegas or Los Angeles. I just throw clothes in my backpack and get on the way. Well, I land in Orlando. Hold on, hold on. Are, are you skipping out Salt Lake City? Salt Lake City was over a year ago. I've been to uh, – <laughs> yeah, not, I'm not skipping over Salt Lake City. Um, I love the people in uh, Utah, great people. I uh, love the 2% beer. You know, it's, it's uh, something to be proud of there. <laughs> but, I mean, back to the story. So I get to the airport, and, you know, I have to rent a car for work to get to the hotel. So the first thing in my mind is, okay, i got to get to the hotel to do the podcast. faster I get there, the more time I have to prepare. So I just beeline it straight down to Enterprise. You know, when I'm going down to Enterprise, I hear on the mic, you know, check bags. Please go to, uh, you know, Carriage nine. To hold on, hold on. Can, can, I, can I first ask you? So you rented a car from Enterprise, right? And you set that up yourself? No, I did not set that up myself. That was from uh, Carlson Wagon Travel Agency. If, everybody. If, we can, if we can give a bit of a background, you used to be a manager at Hertz. Right? That is correct. Hertz rental car. Uh, two of the worst years of my life. <laughs> but but Enterprise does have hot chicks working there, and Hertz. I've never seen. I've never even seen a female, let alone a hot one, working at a Hertz. Would that well, be a fair assessment? That might be a fair assessment, but to tell you the truth, if there's hot chicks working at Enterprise, there was nowhere to be seen on Sunday. <laughs> so anyways, I'm going down to the to Enterprise, and I hear that over the mild, loudspeaker about the baggage, and I think to myself, oh, good thing I don't check a bag. feel sorry for the idiots that have to go down there and look for their bag. Keep going straight down in the rental car, rent the car. And let, let me tell you this. When I walk outside for the first time in Florida, Grant, it's like I'm going up against uh, – it's like some giant boxer hits me in the face named Humidity because, I mean, that was the first thing that I noticed. It was just right in my face like, hello, welcome to Florida. It's humid as hell here. So I get in the car and you know I make one of those mistakes where right before I get into the car, 
I ask someone I know is not going to be able to give me good directions. I ask him for directions. He ends up sending me on the wrong road in the wrong direction. And I, I'm thinking my new iPhone, because it does everything you know in this world, I'm thinking it has a GPS on it where it will just speak to me as I you know make the turns. And I just go to the hotel and be there in 25 minutes, get ready for the pot. Instead, no GPS, just Google Maps. So I'm trying to read where I'm going. And it's right out of the Orlando airport. You have to make a decision on what road you're taking like right away within the first, you know, four-tenths of a mile. So obviously I just go with the guy I asked. I take a left. Boom. Hit a toll. No cash in my wallet. You don't have – okay, you don't have any cash in your wallet and and they're giving – your company is giving you a per diem, right? Yeah. 75 bucks a day. And they're they're – they don't give you that up front. So you are spending your own money, which – you apparently have none of. <laughs> well, I have a and, credit card grant, <laughs> and they're gonna give it. They're gonna they're gonna give it to you in your next paycheck. It seems like which companies like to do. Yeah, it, exactly. And you think? I mean, people that I work with have been here to Orlando on business. You think they would tell me, "Hey, there's three tolls right when you get off, you know, onto the road from the airport." But no information was passed along. So I go through the first toll. I get a ticket. And luckily, it's only a dollar. You just got to pay it, you know, within three weeks. A, a dollar toll? <laughs> yeah, a dollar toll. But then you go down two more miles, you hit another toll for a dollar. So I got to get another ticket. And I'm just holding up traffic behind me. And I'm, I'm you know, motherfucking everybody by this time. I'm sweating. It's humid. I'm angry that no one told me, you know, I, there was tolls. So I get another ticket. And I'm like, okay, I need to get off this freeway. And you know, get some cash. So I stop, you know, holding up these toll booths because I have no cash. So I finally find an exit like another mile up the road. I take it and it's like this turn. It's the most confusing exit you could ever come to. Obviously, you know, right after I make the wrong turn, I instantly realize it's the wrong turn. It sends me right back on the highway I got off of. So then I, so it sends me right back on the freeway. Guess what's up next, Grant? Another toll booth. By this time, I'm so panicked. I get up to the booth, and I'm just like, hey, man, blah, blah. I'm making no sense. The guy just looks at me, and he's like, okay, this is how you – where are you going? I tell him. He goes, okay, this is how you get there. I'm not going to take any more money from you. Don't worry about it. Just go ahead. Was it the same guy you'd already had? No, these are three different tolls. So finally, I stop at a store. I get some cash, and I'm just stressed out. And I think to myself, like, man, I could use a cigarette right now. And then I think, well – the two cigarettes I have are in my bag, and then I, then it hits me. I'm like, oh, shit, I never picked up my check bag. So I just went through all this stress of going through three tolls, get directions back to the airport. I have to drive all the way back to the airport. I'm trying to figure out you know, how I'm going to return this car without actually returning it, get to the baggage claim area, find my bag, and then get back to the car and drive off. So I return the car to Enterprise, and I ask the guy, hey, I don't need to return this car. But I need to park it here. Is it okay to do that? <laughs> Guy speaks no English whatsoever. Well, so so what nationality was he? You know, I think it was probably Central American, maybe like Honduras or something like that. I'm just guessing. So he calls over his buddy to like you know translate. His buddy speaks less English than him. So like I, I'm so flustered. I'm not mad at the guys, but I'm like, so it's okay if I leave my fucking car here or what? And I'm like, oh no, I shouldn't have cussed. And you see the guy's face, kind of like, oh no, this guy's angry. And I'm like, no, buddy, I, I didn't mean it like that. I don't know if you can understand me. But anyways, I park the car, go in, 
search around the airport for about 45 minutes for the Virgin checked bag. Finally find it. Take the walker. So, so you checked your bag as my the Virgin check bag? No, the vir- Virgin baggage claim area. So like basically if you're an idiot and you leave your bag, don't pick it up. They send it to their can I, uh, can I bag stop you right here? I, I know you're going in on your iPhone and – like what what person doesn't doesn't plan out their their trip before they do it so you were on the fly you rented a car and you did not you didn't go to MapQuest you didn't have any directions printed out this yeah, is well, your, I, this is your excuse for missing the pot on Sunday yeah this is my excuse you know why cuz about Cause 2 you're years retarded? ago cuz you're a fucking retard maybe i am but you know what 2 years ago i had a sprint phone and that somehow managed to have navigation on it you mean so two I figured week, two weeks ago? No, that was a Mattel phone, Grant. So, anyways, I think this iPod or iPhone is going to be able to give me GPS navigation. Instead, it's just a map that I have to read. So I'm trying to read one-handed driving around Florida. I would, I'd like to see you try it. When's the last time you traveled around and had to drive in some I, unknown place? I, w- I will tell you the last time I, I flew, and I actually got into a huge fight with my girlfriend at the time because she left me at the gate because I had to have a full body cavity search because um. I accidentally had forgotten my grandpa. My dead grandpa left me his, his knife, his hunting knife, and I left it in my bag that I was carrying on, and they found it, which I keep in mind it was still in that bag when I flew out there. I got through security somehow, but on the way back from Colorado, I ended up having to go th- through a full-body cavity search. I bet you enjoyed that, huh? Uh, you know what? It, it wasn't unpleasant. I kind of did enjoy it. You're now joined by a big-time Timmy Jim down in the field. Of, what do you think's going on in San Francisco right now? Just a lot of craziness, I'm hoping. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of beer flowing, smoke in the air, I'm hoping. So. <laughs> Let me ask. Beer flowing, smoke in the air. Hey, 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 hey. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> Now, there, there was something that his papa released a statement this week, right, that uh, you, you have the quote. Go ahead. Can you go ahead and read it? Yeah, let me go ahead and read you that quote. So this is Tim Linscombe's dad uh, talking to the USA Today. Here's a two-time Cy Young winner, a four-time All-Star, a World Series champion, and send him to the minors, Chris Linscombe said, his voice rising. You do that, and what you're basically telling the player is, we don't need you or respect you. And this is the kid who helped bring a championship to the city of San Francisco for the first time in 50 years? It's like people forget what he's done. It's like, what the fuck do I have to do? What more do you want? I gave you two Cy Youngs. I was a major contributor to the World Series. And now you crucify me? You keep saying, you keep saying shit like this and he'll want to go away. This is the face of the franchise. And now he's struggling, as all players do at some point. This is the fucking respect he gets? You're crucifying him. It's like the media is hoping he fails so they'll have something to write about. If they're trying to get him to leave the city, they're fucking on their way. Grant, your thoughts. <laughs> so my initial thought was, you know, I, I'm not going to be too hard on Linscombe because this is his dad. You know, I, I wish anyone who has a father out there that would defend you like this, you know, God bless him. My second thought was when I really when I, whoa, 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 whoa. stop right there. You really think that's okay? Wouldn't you be? I'd be embarrassed if my dad came out to the media and, and I, just started overblowing things. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And, and I'm sure Tim Linscombe probably is embarrassed, but at the same time, he's probably you know what? My dad loves me, and he's out there defending me, and he's being protective, which is a cool thing. It's better than 
LeBron James has no idea who the fuck his dad is, right? So his dad's not critiquing him. Um, very, very true. The other thing I note is, that, do you want him to leave San Francisco? Then he'll leave. And I'm sure every other Giants fan had the same thought. Of, you know what? Then fucking go. <laughs> like, no, we're I not, doubt that. I mean, maybe you down in L.A., but most San Francisco fans up here are still behind Tim Linscombe. And, you know, we want him to come out of this funk. You have already damned him to hell. You think he's done. His career is over. Most Giants fans, though, like myself, believe that this is just a blip in the radar. He'll come back. He'll be himself eventually. Yeah, and, and you, guys are all, you guys are all fucking insane because it's not going to happen. But if I can get to where I actually did after thinking about it, considering it for a moment, I, I started to feel empathy for Tim Lincecum because – and here's how I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? You know what's happening because his dad's sitting there. And I'm sure he's had these conversations with his son. And this is how his son feels, even though he'll never admit it to the media, is I've done all this for this city and now all of a sudden I'm on hard times and they just want to drop me. And if we can substitute the city for being a chick, a girlfriend, right? And I, I, and this is how I can relate to it. It's, you know, oh, I was doing this and we've had all these experiences together and, and I've been there for you. And when I was being successful, you were there for me. And the minute I hit hard times, okay, on to the next one. And, okay. and then I can get that. I understand how at the same time. Fuck him. He's done. I'm not done. I want nothing to do. But I understand where he's coming from. But uh, Will uh, you uh, talk to me when you get off the fence there, Grant? I mean, pick a side. We're at war. <laughs> no, I, I get where he's coming from. He, he's given his heart and soul to this city, to this team, and brought a championship there. And now he's struggling. He's, he's hitting hard times, and you can tell. I, I, there was a great interview with Benji Molina this week where Benji's like – his, he walks out there on the mound, and you can just tell he's totally defeated. His confidence shaken up, and it, I just get it. I, I know what he's meaning, but at the same time, this isn't a relationship between a man and a woman. This is a baseball team. This is capitalism. And, and sorry, I love you for what you did. And maybe this is how women think. Yeah, you know, it was great. You got me through a tough time, but um, you know what? You you lost three miles off your fastball, so I'm dumping you for someone who goes 99. Yeah, <laughs> just, but Justin I'm- Verlander, where are you? <laughs> I mean, just – but to use the word crucifying him, I mean, isn't that a little sensitive? And doesn't he come off as an overbearing dad that, like, cares way too much about his son's, you know, struggles yeah. for – only, only what, a month and a half he struggled? I mean, his last win was April 29th against the Padres. Oh, that was – he struggled since in the last year. I mean, that's fine. But is in today's society, is, is having an overbearing dad the worst thing in the world? I think it's kind of cool. I mean, let's let's not blame – him for what his dad's saying. His dad's being a protective dad. His dad loves his son, and he's being protective. But his dad's had a history of, you know, he, you know, he's the guru that, you know, made up this or established this weird windup that Tim has, where he gets all this velocity out of this five foot ten frame, five foot ten frame. And you know, he's always been a part of of Tim's baseball life. He's one of those dads. He's like the, you know, Richard Williams, the the Williams sister's dad. He's one of those guys. Yeah, he like, basically but- made his kid, forced his kid into the sport that he loved, and and you know pushed all of his hopes and desires onto Tim Linscombe. And Tim Linscombe should have turned to him and said, "Playing baseball for the San Francisco Giants was an opportunity of your lifetime. I don't want your life." That's a nice varsity blues quote. Thank you, Mister Vanderbeek. Um, but I would say you, I we're not ESPN here. 
and one thing we're trying to do is, is not the ESPN. ESPN maybe would jump on that. I, I'm going to judge Tim Linscombe on the performance he gives on the diamond, on the field, just like every other athlete. And if his dad says that, you know, that's fine. I, that's great if you have a dad that loves you that much and cares about you and wants to be protective. I think every dad should be like that. Um, I'm judging him on his performance on the field, and it has sucked. So, you know, the, the interesting thing about that is is the it hasn't really hurt the Giants. You know, it hasn't hurt the Giants. They had a big win last night. Uh, a very Zito big com- win. A very big win. <laughs> Barry Zito coming off, uh, you know, r- three rough starts in a row. Shut out the uh, Dodgers over seven innings last night, and the Giants ended up winning eight to zero. Now we're right in the middle of a. I mean, it's early in the season, but the Giants are only two games back now. They were seven and a half back about a month ago. This is a big series all of a sudden, right before the All Star break. Uh, tomorrow, tonight we have Vogelsong going versus Kershaw. How do you see tonight going? And what about the rest of the series? Rest of the uh, Vogel Vogelsong's a surprise, right? I mean, man, he's got to be thirty-five. That guy's. Pitching filth, and at first last year I thought it was maybe I didn't get to watch that many games last year, and I'm thinking you know he's getting lucky one year wonder, but I'm watching him this year. He, he's got great stuff. The thing about him, and this is the difference between him and Linscombe, Vogelson doesn't get rattled. He does not get rattled. Yeah, to prove your point, I mean he started the year off and uh, with a couple shaky starts, but then he just had a phenomenal couple months here to uh, lead into the start tonight. Yeah, if it wasn't for Matt Cain. Salt of the earth, man of the people, my favorite person on the planet. Vogelsong would be our ace. That's a good point. Now, speaking of Vogelsong maybe you know being our ace, we're going up against the Dodgers ace tonight. Now, he's and he pitches better at AT&T in Park. I looked it up today. He's 4-1 and one in AT&T in his last five starts with a, get this, <laughs> 0.45 ERA. Just complete ownage on the Giants. I read another stat today. 87 innings pitched against the Giants, 93 strikeouts. I mean, this guy has complete and utter domination over our lineup. Do you think it's going to change tonight, Grant? Uh, you know, he, he has been struggling, though, right? I mean, he's 5-3. and three. He, He's not – he's kind, I think – and he started off great, but he's kind of coming to – succumbing to that Cy Young pressure. It seems no, he, to pitched, me. he pitched good against the AAA team across the bay. In his last start. Yeah, and they lost. They got swept by the A's. They lost. They're 0 for 4 in the Bay Area this year. Um, is is Kershaw's always when it comes down to Kershaw, and this has been his thing ever since he came up. I mean, the guy was the guy actually was in the same draft as as Linscombe. and um, who went before? Ooh, if I want to remember, I think Kershaw went. Kershaw might have gone one pick before Linscombe or one pick after Linscombe. Okay. I'm not sure, but they both went before 15. Um, with Kershaw, the story always is, can he throw strikes? If he's throwing – I mean, his stuff is undeniable. You're not hitting him if he's throwing strikes. But it, early on in his career, then those first two years when when the Dodgers were, were – they lost in the NLCS to the Phillies both years until the Giants ruined that run that the Phillies had. That's um, right. Kershaw's ERA was over four, but you're watching the guy. This is a, this is the Dodgers' best pitcher, but he couldn't throw strikes. I mean, he he would go. He could never last long in the five innings. He he would pitch five innings, have eight or nine Ks, but he'd have six or seven walks, and he'd have 120 pitch count. Okay, know, so does the innings. 
does the rest of the Dodgers' year then depend on Kershaw and how he pitches? Because, I mean, it, the rest of their starting pitching is not that impressive compared to the Giants' uh, starting You know, it isn't, but it is. I mean, if we want to roll down the names, we're talking Ted Lilly, we're talking Chris Capuano, we're talking names like that. But if you look at the numbers and you take away the names, their, their pitching is actually really good. I, I guess maybe can Matt Kemp come back from that hamstring injury because hamstrings tend to – they don't heal too quick, and you never come back at full strength, it seems, until you have a full offseason to heal. Um, yeah, speaking of, like, not having many name players on the, the Dodgers, I was thinking today when I was looking over their lineup and the record, it just seems it's starting to remind me of the Giants team with uh, Bonds that went and played the Angels in the World Series. There was not too many Giants stars on the team, but there was just something about that year where all the players meshed, and it seemed like they were a team – and nothing was going to, you know, come between them and getting Bonds that World Series, except for, uh, of course, Dusty Baker handing the game ball to Russ Ortiz in the seventh inning. But this Dodger team has that same chemistry, I'm afraid. And um, you know, it's starting to scare me a little bit. It's starting to scare me. Well, if you're a Giants fan, you should be scared. I think at this point, the Dodgers have shown that it's it's not just a fluke. It's not a fluke. It's not a uh, getting to play against easy teams in the beginning, you know. And and we were talking about with with football and the Niners in terms of last season, but it happens in every sport, you know. It, it, things have a momentum of themselves, and and once you start rolling, it kind of becomes that. The Dodgers aren't going away. They're not going away. They they they've developed a chemistry with each other, and and that chemistry tends to happen because once you start winning, then you start believing in each other. You, you you get along better with your teammates, and then you and that stuff does matter. That that's the mental side of things. Um, yeah. I I think that the Giants though have that feel too. I I I mean right now they're two games back going into tonight. They have another two games. If the Giants sweep the series, they could end up being tied by Thursday with the Dodgers. But the Dodgers aren't going away. They're not a fluke. I mean they've been missing Matt Kent for better part of what a month and a half now. Well, he's he's been on the DL since the end of May, but he was on the DL again before that, I believe. He maybe wasn't on the DL, but he missed a few games for the hamstring too. And I think that they're not going away, but this is a good thing. This is what I want. As a, as a Giants fan, this is what I love. I want Giants-Dodgers going down to the end. You yeah, know? I mean everybody wants that, but the thing that everyone is forgetting is the defending NL West champion Arizona Diamondbacks are only five games back? I mean, they got a young team. They did it last year. I mean, who's to say they don't come up and pass both teams? That that's a great point, and I didn't even know they were that close. I don't know. Last time I looked at the standings, they were below five hundred. I, I guess what I'd say to that is the Diamondbacks are the stereotypical young team that had success, and they don't know how to handle success. So I don't see them making a run this year. I, I know in the NL West we've dealt with the Colorado Rockies that always seem to suck for the first 95% of the season, and they win 20 games in a row at the end of the year. Yeah, you got Tulowitzki and yeah. Cargo like hitting 35 home yeah. runs after the break. I, I mean, at this point, I'm calling it. it it's it's going to be a Giants-Dodgers race. And I'm, I'm not sure I don't completely understand – the new playoff format with the two wild cards. I don't think anyone really knows what's going on with that. Uh, like, I don't think anyone understands this new playoff system. I just see the Dodgers aren't going away, and I don't think the Giants are going away. And I think that's a great thing, not just for West Coast baseball, but for baseball in general. Like, I love it. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, it's the Giants-Dodgers. It's a classic rivalry. And, of course, I mean, that's what everybody wants to see. They want to see him battle it out to the end. One stat that scares me, though, on the head-to-head matchup, you know, as far as them winning the NL West, who's going to win the NL West, 
is the Dodgers are 17 and 10 against NL West opponents so far this year, while the Giants are 15 and 13. Now, I mean, that might not seem too much, but I mean, that's two games right now, and they're down two games. So if the Dodgers continue to beat up on the NL West, you know, that might be the difference in the whole race. Yeah, it could be. It- I mean, but let's remember that, that. So the Giants are fifteen to thir- or thirteen and fifteen. You said thirteen NLS. and fifteen against the NL West. Let's That's remember correct. though, we, the Giants started out zero and four, zero and five against the NL West. So if you take away that first week of the season, you know they got swept by the Diamondbacks. Which, which by the way, those games they were losing early in the season were because of defensive errors, and they seem to fix those. I mean, what are the Giants going to do with Pablo Sandoval? I don't know, but but it, the Giants actually played better without Pablo there because. They're, they put areas at third, and their defense was better. And when you have a, a team that's based on pitching, which, let's be honest, the Dodgers are based on pitching too. I mean, the Dodgers aren't the 27 Yankees or 29 Yankees. They're not scoring eight, nine runs a game. The Dodgers are based on pitching too. So the uh, 27 Yankees scored nine runs a game? Well, I'm talking about Can we quote you on that? Uh, if you, if you want to be an asshole, which you are, <laughs> you can go ahead and do it. But, but what I'm saying is, is – I mean, when you the National League isn't there aren't that many good teams in the National League. If you look at the American League, that's where the talent is. The National League, I, I mean, what, yeah, every, what what teams are better than the Giants and Dodgers? I don't know, and I don't know if the Giants and Dodgers are better than the other teams, like Washington and uh, Cincinnati, the other two teams leading the okay, so uh, both, Central both and those East. Teams are how I view both those teams is oh, they're cute. You know, they play in these little cute parks, and they have these cute young guys, and, and they're very cute stories. And no one, if, if I really felt that the, the Reds or the Nationals were a real threat, I wouldn't like them. But I do. I can, oh, I, I hope they make it. It'd be cool, you know. I, they're not a real threat. They're not going to do anything. They're too young. They, they've, the Reds have made the playoffs two, two seasons ago. They made it, and they floundered. And we know that. Any Giants fan knows having Dusty Baker in the playoffs being your manager <laughs> is a curse of death. It so. is the curse of death. Way to handle – I said it earlier and I'll say it again. You lost us the World Series because you handed Russ Ortiz the game ball in the seventh inning, Dusty. Thank you. But nobody wears wristbands like Dusty Baker. That's very true. <laughs> Guy styling. Which is – can we get rid of the, the coach? I mean what other coach in any other sport – I mean you see the NBA playoffs. The coaches wear suits. You see in the NFL, the coaches mostly wear, you know, mobbed-up jersey jumpsuits, but sometimes they try to wear suits. I know Mike Nolan did that. Baseball is the only sport where your coach wears the player's uniform, and they're always old, fat guys. Can we get rid of that? That's yeah, it's like uh, like they're wearing some sausage skin or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Oh. But, to, but to put it that way, yeah, I mean, the Braves have problems. The Phillies are, are done. That's a way. The Phillies tried to become the Yankees and Red Sox, and it failed. They won yeah, the so, World Series. So with the Phillies work. down, I'm sorry, with the Phillies down and the Braves not in the lead in the East, I mean, is there anyone to fear in the National League except for the Dodgers? Is that your point? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm – there isn't. I, I don't see – I don't see – oh, and this is this is a wet dream. It, Giants, <laughs> Dodgers, and the goddamn NLCS. Yes, it I was thinking the, the same dream. thing. Oh, my goodness. Can you think about how great that would be? That's, I mean, I'm, I'm living here in L.A. You know, I'm going to be wearing orange and black body paint if that <laughs> happens every day. That series is going on. I'm probably going to I'm going <laughs> to uh, be a Brandon Stowe or whatever his name is. 
I mean, don't you think it'd be like horrible though to be facing the Dodgers in the NLCS for this reason and this reason only? Because after every pitch, it would pretty much be a firestorm of text messages back and forth from fans. You know, MF and the Dodgers, MF and the Giants, pitch by pitch. I mean, it would just get tiring after a while. Because I mean, after every game this year. You know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, blows up. You know, oh, the Giants are so much better than the Dodgers. Then next next week, you know, Kershaw shuts, shuts them down. And then, oh, the Dodgers, you know, eat a big fat cock or whatever you want to say, Giants well, fans, well, all that stuff. No, you know, Ray Ratto of the Crunt had, had a great segment today on the radio where he's talking about – and this is a thing – because I hate L.A. sports teams other than the Clippers. But the thing that annoys me, the chant always is, the most un- unoriginal chant there is – B-L-A, B-L-A. <laughs> you know, the Giants, like, the, those chants started yesterday in the first, second inning, but we scored four runs in the first and I think three in the second or two in the second. So I get it at the beginning of the game, but when you're up eight to nothing in the eighth inning and you're chanting B-L-A, I mean, if I'm a player, I'm like, you know what? I am beating L-A. Shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, what? Like, come up with something different. I mean, when, when Bonds played, if you would go to a Giants game when Bonds was in left field, there'd be a fan of the opponent's team out there coming up with clever, clever disses for Barry Bonds, you know, just heckling him all game. Can Giants fans come up with something more clever than beat L.A.? I mean, no, they're not going to change the beat L.A. chant because they've been doing it for 20 years. Now, I mean, before the World Series, you know, fans used to sit there at the game on their cell phones. That stopped, thank goodness. But, I mean, there's no originality at all in AT&T Park. Now, I don't know if it's like that in every baseball stadium around the country, but if you compare Giants fans to, let's say, English Premier League fans and the songs they sing and the chants they make up right on the spot, I mean, it's just Whoa! sad. It's Did sad. Just, uh, that's a nice soccer drop there that you, us Americans aren't, aren't, <laughs> aren't good enough. But you know what? One thing that's cool is San Francisco and Ned Coletti. I can't give away my source, but I do have a, uh, a connect with Ned. And and listening, he's talking about how how great of a baseball city San Francisco has become. And w- when you think about the major cities, you know New York. You want to talk Giants or Jets or Knicks? You know what? New York is a Yankees town. Yep. New York's a great city. Boston. You know the Patriots have won multiple Super Bowls. This and that. You think Boston? You think the Red Sox? Boston is a Red Sox town. And the Niners, even with their upswing last year, and maybe they do good, maybe they don't. But San Francisco, Ned Kaledi was right. San Francisco has become a baseball town. It's yeah, a I mean, baseball it's- town. But once your city turns baseball, it becomes a really cool city. To have. <laughs> so your criteria for a great U.S. city is to love baseball first and foremost. I can't argue with that, even though I've said in the past baseball is not my favorite sport. I still like your logic behind it, Grant. Yeah, just I mean, we're talking about great cities. We're talking about Boston, New York, San Francisco. I mean, if I were to name it, Chicago even. Let's talk Chicago. They want to pretend it's a Bears town. No, it's Cubs. It's, it's all Cubs. Cubs, and if you live, if you're poor, then you're a White Sox fan. The White Sox won the World Series last, but I mean, it, there's just something romantic about baseball. I know you hate it, but it it makes for a cool city. And the other cool is, I kind of the Lakers. I mean, Kobe's almost done, and, and with this new ownership, I think the I think I think LA is about to turn back into a Dodger town, about to turn back into a baseball town, which is going to be cool. 
that'd be great for the state of California to have that rivalry back. Just each team clicking at the highest level, battling for the NL West oh, championship. Now and, let's and, uh, and San Diego. Oh, that's right. Nobody cares. <laughs> With that being said, let's wrap up this topic. We promised before the show we'd get to predictions for the rest of the year. Grant, Giants, and Dodgers, NL West. Who wins it? I think the Dodgers win the NL West. The Giants make the wild card. Giants win the wild card. I guess it's a one-game playoff. Giants-Dodgers win division series, and the Giants and Dodgers meet in the NLCS. And for being a huge baseball fan, I think you're uh, missing the boat on this one. I think the two wild cards actually starts next year, Grant. Next year. Uh, you're wrong. It starts this year. Are you sure? I am 100% positive. Okay, so I know how it works, and basically there's two wild cards. They play a one-game playoff. Then the divisional round is being switched for the away team, or the um, lower-seeded team will play the first two games at, at home. At home, which means if they win those first two games, you're fucked. I mean, it's retarded. But think about it like this, Grant. They've just played a one-game playoff, so they've had to throw their number one or two starter. Now the higher-seeded team is going to go into their ballpark, be able to throw their number one and two starter, Against the other teams, you know, maybe two and three, maybe, you know, three and one. And the the higher-seeded team is going to have the advantage in those first two games. All they have to do is win one of those two games to switch the entire series into their favor. So then that makes the lower-seeded team who's played one extra game with their best pitcher on the hill go into the better-seeded team's home park and try to win two out of three games. Now, that's just not going to happen. I love this switch because... In the past years, it always drove me crazy because at the beginning of the series, all you really needed as a lower-seeded team was one good pitcher to split. And then you split, you had two games at home to, to finish off the series, and this team's played 162 games, has a better record than you. All of a sudden, after one great pitching performance, you know they're on their back, back heels for the rest of the series. That was not fair. Hey, calm down. Calm I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I thought okay, about that. Okay, so, so we make – the Giants have that one-game playoff. We throw out Matt Cain. Sorry, we're not losing that game. And then we go Bumgarner, we go Vogelson, and we go Lincecum, even Zito if you want. I mean, you can go anybody. Yeah, well, way to use the best pitching staff in the league as an example, Grant. Well, because we're talking about the National League. But my point, address my point. Isn't that a valid point? I mean, it's a valid point, I guess. But that's in theory. I mean, it, games take a life of their own. I mean, I I don't see if in a five game series. So say the Dodgers win the West, and they're throwing Kershaw out for two games. That's two automatic wins, and then all they have to do is win one out of three. The Giants have with their with Kane, even if Kane goes, they're. We know the Giants have that pitching staff where it doesn't really matter. You, you can throw any given day, any one of our starters can be an ace. Um, I, I think it's Giants-Dodgers, and I think it's going to be cooler than even watching the Giants win the World Series playing the <laughs> Giants. If the Dodgers and the, oh. and the Giants play in the NLCS, it's probably going to be the coolest thing ever. It, that it's it's going to be better than that time I banged Rachel Nichols. <laughs> you wish. Well, my prediction, I'll make it quick. I got the Giants uh, also getting the wild card. Dodgers winning the NL West, but I have the Dodgers not making it to the NLCS. I think they'll run out of gas at the end of the year, and the Giants will end up playing the Washington Nationals in the NLCS, and the Giants are going to go to the World Series this year, folks. Okay, folks, remember you can uh, check out our podcast on our website, www.sportinghubris.com. Email us at sportinghubris at gmail.com. 
Tweet us at Sporting Hubris. Like us on Facebook. That's all I got for you tonight. Thanks for joining us. And get the hell out of my office. Blue collar Eddie and his better half Dolores Used to be mantelpieces down at the Black Forest And I don't know if that bar still exists But when it did, so did they A couple bleeding hard kids Everything volatile, every night vodka style Hop a stool, be discreet and just watch